Mm-hmm. Chuck me. Chuck I me. say yeah. Chuck me as if I know him. No, I know. I want to meet him. I know. I know. Me too. I hope you're watching this, Chuck. Well, <laughs> Chuck, I actually <laughs> found out in the middle of directing this that I worked, um, Chuck, because I know you're watching. I worked with your daughter, <laughs> Alice, at Kismet here in Los Angeles. Ooh. So it feels Kismet that um, uh, we are that I'm talking to you directly right now. Chuck. Yes. It's really nice to meet you. Yeah. This way. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed Big Love. It's like backstage, but there's no stage. It's the standby for places green room. Welcome to In the Green Room. Greetings to whomever is watching this. Welcome to In the Green Room. I am Dunya J. Karam, a board member at Standby for Places and coordinator of New Works. And today I am joined by lovely ensemble member, Gabby Van Horn. Hi, Gabby. Hello, lovely to be here. Ah, lovely to have you. Uh, this is our first time meeting. I know, That's I know. I hope I, I hope I get to actually see you and in, in, in person one of these days. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure it'll happen. The world is both small and large at the same yes. time, right? Yes. Particularly exactly. in our, uh, yes. <laughs> the piece that we are here to discuss is Big Love, which is an adaptation or rather upcycling, recycling, or um, part of Chuck Me's the yeah. remaking project, right? Right. Of, um, I mean, there are two, two titles to this play. Mm technically right um, oh news by Aeschylus me. tell me well yeah, yeah there's the Aeschylus or like the original play right or whatever and then yeah big love I guess is if, if there are two titles please enlighten me well I mean there's there's one that's uh the suppliance or the sub oh oh yes and then yeah right I mean it's the same play two yes. different names and then the right. other is the den- I am never going to be able to say this right, but she's going to take a shot in the dark. The Danaids. The Danaids. Yeah, sure. All right. Greek mythology. Yeah. Yeah. And also there's only the original play according to Western civilization. Right. Um, I, I really... I really hope that everyone who's watching this has has listened to Gabby's rendition of it. Um, get on it if you haven't, please. I know she's pretty to look at and that's why you're like <laughs> watching this right now and her voice is so soothing, which is why you're listening, but like <laughs> go, go listen to her episode. Yeah. So you have chosen Big Love. What is the story? For those who haven't read the, the Aeschylus version of this yes. play, that is now modernized by and recycled, upcycled by Charles Mee. Uh, what is it about? Sure. So um, 50 sisters have just landed in Italy um, and they are seeking refuge because they're uh, betrothed, they're legally bound to their 50 other male cousins. And it's on the day of the wedding and they escape and they don't want to do it because like, hello and so they are like first cousins right um it isn't specified if it's first (laughs) let's say it's first cousins sure I mean like that just heightens the stakes for sure (laughs) that's just extra creepy also extra convenient that like (laughs) yeah like I I, it makes me think like oh what if there were like you know 10 other 
uh, cousins who were just like, what about me? Yeah. <laughs> we didn't make it, I guess. <laughs> we didn't make the cut. And like how, yeah. yeah Cause I think in, in, in their original, it's like two brothers and they're like, I mean, you have 50 daughters. I have 50 sons. Let's unload right. humans on each other. Right. That's right. how affection works. That's how, yes, exactly. Right. That's what love yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so they land in Italy. They land in Italy. They're seeking refuge from this, um, legal contract of a sorts and it's their uh desperate attempt to be heard and seen and understood uh so that they don't have to go through with this and um a lot of people don't listen to them a lot of people um end up they end up having to get married anyways but they end up killing all of the husbands anyway <laughs> in a very bacchanal uh epic uh beheading and dismemberment it's very bloody and stabbing and and like having every single type of torture you can think of inside this play right um and it's funny it's hysterical it's very it's a funny it's a wrong yeah yeah it's really Um, funny it's so fun and and it's just like very self-aware Um, it's got great clipped pacing to it. I, you know, uh, and like the imagery that when you're reading it is Mm. so great, right. Cause you're talking about 50 brides covered in blood with the exception of one, right. Yeah. One, 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 like coupling. Yeah, exactly. So in the end, spoiler also, (laughs) um, in the end, Lydia, the sort of main, character of this play I'd say it's her story um she ends up choosing love and choosing this cousin although lover essentially because they do have a bit of a past and they she does have um a connection with him that she doesn't want to lose Mm -hmm. and it's and it's from the perspective of three brothers and three sisters Mm -hmm. mainly um and it's very much the dynamic of like older, middle, younger siblings mm-hmm. and their, their equivalents. And uh, it isn't all just from the perspective of these women. You do, there is this really epic middle section of the play where it's very much from the brothers' perspectives as well. Mm-hmm. And um, just all of it, it's a modernization of like what feminism means to people kind of excellent and that choice yeah and 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 how it affects how equality <laughs> affects both genders and it's a very gender specific play and there um i i was fascinated that it's written 20 years 20 plus years ago now and it already feels dated in that way mm. and there's this one character giuliano who um is very fascinating because he is like at one point he does a transsexual dance in the play like that's part of the stage directions which is yeah that was blocked out in the in the script that yes exactly I I I did decide to cut that seeing as again not necessary information like yeah it's an attempt at that time that would have been like a progressive moment and it's not me judging that it's me saying wow look at where we've come yeah um that that isn't the language that we use nor is it 
essential to the telling of this story. Mm. Um, But Giuliano's character description, he's kind of, he's gay uh, or, you know, queer really. And in this story, uh, he's the only one who sort of falls in between these very hyper gendered um, characters. Mm -hmm. And um, when he first walks on the stage, his character character description is Giuliano steps onto the stage a glass of wine in his hand he is a young Italian man handsome agreeable weak and useless and weak is deeply unnecessary of a character description especially when this character is queer you could say and I think what he's trying to say is queer but in a strange way Hmm. you know what I mean and so I chose to cut that specific line because again it just feels dated it doesn't feel necessary um yeah and on honestly in the spirit of uh check me and his like yeah the remaking project yes, exactly. it's about updating these you know timeless tales to yes. uh modern times so i think that you you really did a great job in regards to to honoring that sentiment, right? It's not exactly the same as it was written, which it's not supposed to be. It's right. supposed to be malleable because that's how this playwright in particular really uh, encourages people to operate because that's how he operates, right? In, particularly with the inception of this play, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, you said it perfectly. Thank Damn. you. <laughs> of course, I'm here to help. I'm here to pick your brain about stuff. So, you're right about it being very gendered. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of brings up in the scene with the uh, brothers. Yeah. The pressure that the patriarchy puts on being a male and like right. how hard and heavy that weight is. And right. it, it's great to kind of see that in tandem with. Right. The, the heroines, the anti-heroine story, right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. About how how the system is kind of rigged against them and there is no choice. In being right. Human, right. Whereas right. the men carry all of the load. So right. that's really cool too. Um, yeah, exactly. And I, I, I remember I saw a production of this in um, college mm-hmm. um, and it that was such a big reason why I wanted to do it. I saw their rendition of it and it was such a powerful, um, just, just a powerful piece to watch and experience. And I had never seen anything like it before. And um, I mean, it, it just, that struggle is so, the fact that this play is of a Greek, style a greek tragedy style everything is said and everything it there is no filter for any of these long diatribes that any of these characters are going through so you're getting to experience their full thought and their full like experience so you saw this production it was very powerful how did you decide to change something so visually striking into an audio piece i deeply featured the stage directions, which when I finally read this play after I, I saw it, you know, 10, 12 years ago, 
And I read the play and realized that the stage directions themselves are like poetry. And I wanted to heavily feature them as well. I, I hope that my voice has done its service. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm sure it has. <laughs> and so uh, it, it, it's just, a, it's amazing that this play is so heavy with language and such a Greek dramatic tale and so much about language, but that at the same time, Charles Me has deeply rooted itself in physical action and, and, um, and recognizing that the two can't be separated. Mm-hmm. And so many Greek tragedies or even Shakespeare and, and older tales can be really rooted in deep, heavy language. Mm-hmm. And he makes a very strong point that like this play is all about everything being world around. This is a circus. This is a carnival. This is a, this is commedia. Like it, it's all of the things mushed into one. And so I'm hoping that with that beautiful language of the stage directions being also told, you can see it the way that I saw it when I was reading it. Mm. And when you were reading it, was it strikingly different from what you had seen before? Um, I think I am. So I think it was (laughs) because this was a, a decade ago that I saw this play and it was in college and I had you know, unnecessary judgments, or it felt like I had to see this play. And then reading it, it really, really spoke to me um, so much more. And yeah, I think it's just because I've changed. Yeah. Play. I mean, not always in play, yes, but. Um, so that's fantastic. Um, I did have a question. And then I lost question because that's how this works sometimes Mm -hmm. ah here's the question ready Mm -hmm. okay uh this is the first time that you've been joining standby for places as a director as opposed to an actor how has the process been different for you what did you like what did you not like oh it's wildly different (laughs) I'm (laughs) I'm uh, the last time I directed something I was in high school so talk about a different person (laughs) (laughs) And it was a one act and it was, it was still really fun. I had a fantastic time in Thornton Wilder play one act. And um, I have always wanted to get back into directing (laughs) to say back into is quite a stretch, but I've, um, but it's the truth. It is the truth. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I know I've always wanted to do it. And this is such a, perfect way the stakes um I I can I can just focus on the actual acting I don't have to worry about lighting and props and all of the you know producing I I, I'm working doing it with you guys you guys are helping me through this so it's like it's a wonderful way to sort of welcome myself back into this world Mm -hmm. um and it's just been extremely different because I have to have the answers for things and a lot of the times I don't Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also been great to just be like, well, I don't know. What do you think? And sort of letting down my guard and letting my ego down that way is it's, I toe that line of like needing to know exactly who I am and what I'm doing. And also being like, I have no ring glue. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and I think that's my Virgo rising and my like cancer moon. <laughs> I have a cancer moon too. And oh. my rising is also cancer, but I'm a Taurus. So I'm oh, fantastic. Yeah. She's emotional internally, but she won't let you know it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah that's great. That's a great chart. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been really, it's been a really fun process. And I also got to just pick a lot of people that I've been working with for a really long time. So mm. there was already this shared language, mm. which I think is really essential when you're a director, um, to be able to just find someone who speaks the same type of acting language as you, because everyone's is very different, very, yes. very different. Yes. And, um, it was really fun. It's really fun. And I'm, I'm excited to continue and keep, keep, working on directing. That's wonderful. I'm glad that this could be like the, a, a stepping stone to really get back into things and, and explore those new strengths that you're discovering. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that everyone has been really, really psyched to be able to work with you on such a fun piece. This piece is so fun. It is. And um, like the best part about it is that I wanted to just cultivate a, a room, <laughs> a zoom room, an audio room of like everyone is involved here everyone please speak to to this piece about this piece how this piece is affecting you mm -hmm. and and like I brought you guys together technically but now y'all this is your room because I am an actor first and I know that's the type of world I like to work in mm -hmm. and so yeah that's really great that's that's it's interesting that you say that because uh you know there are thoughts on, on different types of directors, right? Some people say that there are choreographer directors, there are playwright directors, mm -hmm. and there are actor directors. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that it's a little more nuanced than that because there's <laughs> so many multifaceted, many hat wearing artists <laughs> at this point in time, right? Yes, that so it, it's, it's, interesting that you say that you're an actor first, but I'm sure that that's driven your cast to be able to collaborate with you in a very specific and intimate way that may not mm. be um, resonant uh, in the same way as like an, another driven director, you know? Right, I mean? right, um, right, exactly. So, so I'm sure that it's an asset, especially for a piece that can be towing the line of controversy too. This isn't just yeah. like, uh, this is clearly good and this is clearly bad. This mm. is an ambivalent play. Yes, exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah, so how, how, how did you approach its ambivalence in the, in the rehearsal room and in the editing room? Because you, you also edited this one as well, right? Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Look at you <laughs> getting all these skill sets. Stop I'm trying. Work. The sound effects, the sound effects killed me, but that's, that's okay. I'm, it's a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> it all is. It and, all is. Uh, uh, I think ambivalence is, it comes out. Um, we are all, uh, humans, mm -hmm. I think. And so I'm an alien. I don't know. What you mean. I, I know I should, I, I, I did not speak for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I'm um, a person. <laughs> unfortunately, but since we are all human, we are all ambivalent. We are all gray. We, there is no black and white. There is, there is nothing that's concrete about us. Mm -hmm. And I am 
very drawn to human stories, to the human condition, to, you know, all of these very wishy-washy issues. And so I just wanted people to be speaking from a truthful place. Mm -hmm. And um, I hope that ambivalence comes up and I, and I, I like, I embraced it. I um, only want it to be um, highlighted and, and, and only acceptance, never avoidance when it comes Mm. to acting, when it comes to art, you know, and especially in this piece as well. Absolutely. So for the listeners out there, what is something that you had hoped people would walk away with after listening to this piece? Um, Because there's no way in telling, especially when we're telling something with an ambivalent story. But is there like a message or a sentiment or something that you wanted to drive home with your rendition of this piece? I think just that um, what I hope people walk away with after listening to this is that uh, the, the love that we share isn't just about this traditional marriage love. It is much wider and bigger and expansive than that. And so much of the story does come from the perspective of these sisters that are hurting, that are grieving, that are figuring it out and are, are um, fighting for their life. And they fight together for their life. And you see their relationship and their strong bonds and their love for each other throughout the play. Mm-hmm. And then it's really rocked by the end and their, their love has to be shook um, and, and tested. And on trial. And, and literally on trial. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And so um, I'm, I'm really hoping that people can see that like, there is also, there, there's love for sister, there's love for new friendships, there's love, there's lost love, there's, um, there's expectation love, like a love, what you expect love to be. Mm-hmm. It, 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 this play just sort of tackles so many different levels of, of where love can fall in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's growing love too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because that's kind of um, what Lydia has. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Lydia and Nikos, they have a growing love. They have a, they have a a burgeoning love. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, really, it's like a love of place and a love of home and whatever that means to you. Um, The ending, it, it ends with Bella, this beautiful Italian grandmother who is like the matriarch of this whole story and sort of she's the judge and jury and executioner of the story <laughs> and Giuliano who's like the light and the the sprite and the um, joy of this story but also sorrowful joy in a way um, the two of them just essentially loving life to the fullest mm-hmm. and expressing it however they can and also in the end, it's very ambivalent because who knows if Nikos and Lydia are even supposed to be together. It's like the end of The Graduate. They're driving off on that bus together and they're like, what the fuck do we do? <laughs> yep. And so it's, it's, um, it's just a beautiful story. I wa- walk away with it wanting to go travel in Italy, honestly. <laughs> 
go to Italy. That's, that's, that's the main point of the story. Yeah. Uh, we love to see it and, and acknowledging all this, all the sorts of big loves and how they can manifest in one's life through all of the varied relationships that we, we develop throughout our, our lives. Um, Gabby, I would like to thank you so much for joining me tonight. It has been a pleasure, not only e-meeting you, but getting to kind of pick your brain a little bit about this process. I am so incredibly proud of you. Thank you. It's not an easy feat. It is not an easy feat, but you did Y'all make it look, y'all make it look easy. So now I actually know how this goes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. All of us, uh, I'm sure, appreciate the But thank you. Seriously. I just, I, I adore you, you all so much. And I feel privileged to always get to work with you and feel, and also feel appreciated. It's nice to feel appreciated. Of course. Anytime. So for those of you who have watched slash listened to this episode, go revisit big love and listen to it again and again and again. Why? Because it's worth it. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today until next time. Bye for now.